Good morning. We are glad that you are here with us this morning, that you braved the harsh weather that we have outside. We're glad to be here on this beautiful spring day in the month of March. We are glad that you are here with us this morning. Um, we are, are honored that you have chosen to worship at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. would invite all of us to prepare our hearts this morning for worship. I invite you to join the choir and me in singing the congregational call to worship, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. Um, and you may remain seated. Just follow the words in your order of service or on the screens. to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forever. Our hymn of praise this morning is number 204, Glorious is Thy Name, number 204. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
be seated. We invite all the children to come down. I should make the youth come down here too. I don't think they'd want to do that though. How are you guys this morning? Good? You excited about the snow? Certainly feels like spring outside, doesn't it? No. Not at all. Yeah, you're right. Well, this morning, um, Pastor Keith's sermon is going to be from the book of John. Uh, and it's going to be from John chapter 3. Now, there's probably a verse in there that I'm sure you guys have learned and I'm sure that you know. John 3:16 that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Does that sound familiar? It's good to see that Ellen's doing her job. Um, well, this morning, as, as Pastor Keith is going to be preaching about this idea of reset, now, in chapter 3 of John, Jesus is having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And in this conversation, he talks about being born again and having new life. Now, how many of you like to play video games? Play video games? Maybe an Xbox, PlayStation, maybe a Wii, something like that? Well, when I was your age, which makes me sound really old to say, um, a lot of the older video game systems like that I played when I was a kid, you know, like a PlayStation 1 or a GameCube or something like that, Pac-Man, not quite that old. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but a lot of these older video game systems, they had a button on these systems and it was a reset button. Now they don't have that on some of the newer gaming systems, some of them do, but uh, basically what that was is anytime if you made a mistake, if you messed up, if you're playing a game where you have lives and you died and you wanted to, you know, you wanted it not to count, you could just hit that reset button and it would just start over. One of the worst things that could ever happen is you're playing video games with one of your friends and you beat them, maybe at a basketball or a football game, and so, it's so that it doesn't count, your friend runs up and hits the reset button real quick so that the, the score doesn't count. But there's a reset button on these old video games and as Jesus uh, has this conversation with Nicodemus. He talks about this idea of a reset, this idea of a new life, of being born again. One of the best things about being a Christian, about being someone who uh, has a relationship with God, is that we have a reset button, in a sense. That anytime we make a mistake, anytime we mess up, anytime we do something wrong or we've been, we feel like we've been beaten, we can hit our reset button. And we know that God loves us, we know that God cares for us, and that when we hit that reset button, as Jesus talks about in the book of John with Nicodemus, we have a, a, a restart, a, a new start on life to be born again. I'm glad you guys came down here to join, join me this morning. Let's have a prayer together. God, we are grateful for your love. We are grateful for your forgiveness. We are grateful that in our lives, we are given the option to reset every now and then, that when we make mistakes, that when we do things we shouldn't, that you are willing to forgive us and love us and give us a new life and a new beginning. God, we're grateful to be in your house this morning. We pray for safety. We pray for all of our students who are in school that you would give them what they need to get through the next week. God, we love you and we are grateful that we are here today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning once again. I think our youth minister, Alan Newcomb, gets the prize for best dressed youth minister in all of Cleveland County today on a snow day. But I turned around and saw him this morning with his little, uh, uh, what, what, do, what do you call that? Pocket square. Yes, thank you. Start to say handkerchief. That's not pocket square. Yeah, but he looks sharp this morning. But well, I'm glad you're here today. I walked up to the choir and I said, I think you guys, I think the congregation still outnumbers the choir today, but I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I'm excited about what the Lord has in store for us as we continue to worship him. Uh, let me remind you, some of you heard this this week and some of you may be hearing this for the first time, but Isabel Stroud, who was a resident there at White Oak and a member of Bowling Springs Baptist, uh, passed away on Friday morning. She was 109 years old. She would have been 110 this September. 
And uh, she was ready to go. She had been talking about it for months and just wanting to go. Why does God have her here? And uh, she is now uh, with him in glory. And so we are thankful for the life of Isabel. And we will have a visitation for her this afternoon at 2 o'clock here in the sanctuary. We will also have a shower going on in the fellowship hall. But her visitation will be here at 2 o'clock. And the funeral will be today at 3 o'clock here in the sanctuary. We'll be feeding the family after the funeral uh, in the lighthouse room. And so they'll, we'll have multiple things going on here and then with the study going on at five o'clock this afternoon. So uh, come if you can today uh, to those things. We are glad again that you're here and we look forward to what the Lord has in store for us as we continue to worship him. I don't think there's anything else that needs to be mentioned. Uh, as, let me just remind you, the concert this Wednesday, this is a wonderful a cappella group from Crest High School and just would encourage you to be here to support them. We are uh, giving, uh, having a love offering for this group as they prepare for competition. I think it's in New York City and um, we just wanna encourage you to be here for that this Wednesday at six o'clock. Uh, join me in prayer and as I pray, I'll be using some words that uh, I have come across this week that in my prayer from someone else, but also I invite you just like last week at the end of my prayer to join me as we pray uh, the prayer that the Lord has taught us to pray. Join me now. God, we're grateful for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you for the beauty of the snow and we realize the unpredictable nature of the seasons over these last few weeks. And so I like the unpredictable nature of your spirit. And we ask and pray that your spirit would move in this place and among us this day. We pray for the family of Isabel Stroud, that you would comfort her, comfort the family, that you would uh, be with the friends and those uh, who, um, uh, who are grieving the loss of this wonderful lady today. Bless our time together of visiting and bless our, our service today as we celebrate a life full and a life well lived. God, as we look to this interesting passage today of what it means to be born again and to be born from above, be born anew, Father, we pray that you would speak to us in new and fresh ways. Father, why do we settle, God, for only being born once or even twice, as if the world never changes, as if everything is just fine the way it is, and we have no need for new life or new encounters with you, new promptings of your spirit and new awakenings in our souls? God, we praise you for the shocking, miraculous truth that we can always be and that we need to always be born again. That daily you welcome us into a surprising new life, the wonderful, creative, unpredictable world of your spirit. And that all we can do is allow ourselves to be pushed, birthed by your grace into new experiences of your reign. Here we are, O oh God, let us be once more in this moment and in this place today, born yet again. Let us pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. number 407 because he lives 407 if you are able please stand and join us in singing because he lives
It is good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? amen? Thank you all for being here as we come together to worship our Father in heaven. Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, I give you praise, Lord, for bringing us here safely, Lord, to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise that you so deserve for all you have done for us, Lord, for even sacrificing your only begotten Son for us, to show that love overcomes all things. And as we give, we give through love, hope, and faith, and not just through obligation, but because we know that you have done so much for us, and we are doing this out of love for not just you, but also for each other. We give you praise, Lord. Bless these offerings we give, up, give to you today. In your name, name of Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen.
scripture for the morning is taken from John 3, 1 through 17. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not know or do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, I love the, and thank you, choir and musicians, Candy, for your special this morning, uh, for your anthem. I, I love the words in the old hymn, Blessed Assurance, that says, this is my story and this is my song. And as we reflect on the passage this morning, I'm grateful that uh, what it means to be born anew and what it means to be born from above and born again is a part of my story. And I hope it's a part of your story this morning. We all have our own unique stories, and I'll be sharing a little bit more about mine this morning as we continue. Last week, we began a new sermon series called Boot Camp for Renewal. And we looked at Jesus's account there, in, or Matthew's account of the temptation and Jesus there in the wilderness. Uh, it is in each of the, well, three out of the four gospels. But Matthew and Luke spend a little more time on it than Mark does. Mark gives it one verse. But we looked at the, the temptation of Jesus there in the wilderness. And as we think about this theme of, of boot camp or this theme of renewal, boot camp for renewal, um, renewal can be hard work. And hence the, the term that I'm using, boot camp. And so we're faced with the temptation. Um, do we do the hard work that will lead us to be spiritually renewed? Or we just simply, do we go on with life as it is and in the ways that we are and the ways that we relate with uh, others and, and with the world, with God? Because uh, it's much easier just to do that. Or do we do the hard work that will lead us uh, to a place of being renewed and refreshed uh, in our relationship uh, with the Lord? It's the term boot camp was mentioned last week as well. We talked about this can be used for different means. It can be used for, we think of it in military, although it's not always a military term. I uh, certainly don't want to think about that in, uh, this morning, but we think about it in relationship to anything that involves intense training. This could be an exercise boot camp. It could be a marriage boot camp. It could be an academic boot camp. Anything that, that requires some intense focus and intense uh, training. It happens at different points. Uh, this idea of, of what it means to, um, to realize, today's sermon is titled Reset. 
And what I was going to say is we, as we go into a boot camp, you may realize that at some point it happens for, for some sooner than others that, you know what, things can change. Because you don't go into any kind of boot camp to come out exactly the way that you went in. You, if it's an exercise or a weight loss boot camp or, or a marriage boot camp, you want to see something different. You want to see something change. And that happens at different points for people as they go through some times of intense training. But today we realize and we get to the point maybe in our, in our sermon series over these few weeks leading up to Easter that you know what, things really can change. If we put in the hard work, if we look to Christ and allow him to do his work in us, that's not, a, a, that's not work that we have to do. It's simply turning to him and letting him do what he wants to do in us. We get to the point that, you know what, things can change and I can reset and I can begin again. I want to put, ask those up, up top to put up the painting that is on the front of your bulletin today of Nicodemus meeting there with Jesus. Uh, there are several things that I'm going to point out. I'm going to ask him to leave this up for a while, but there's several things that I want to mention about this story. Nicodemus, first of all, is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. He's mentioned here as we are introduced to him here in John chapter 3. But we're also introduced to him as he's coming to Jesus at night, uh, the, the other Pharisees, his other um, part of the, the Sanhedrin, which is a ruling council of, of the, uh, the Jews, of the Pharisees, made up about maybe 70 men. And so Nicodemus is no just average Pharisee, but he is a leader of the leaders in, in, in the Pharisees. And so we see here, this is the first time that we read of Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. The second time is in chapter 7, verses 50 through 52. Nicodemus confronts and questions his fellow Pharisees Pharisees about arresting Jesus without adequate proof that he had broken the law. In a sense, he's standing up for Jesus. So we see, do you see what I'm seeing here? A little bit of a process for Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't just have this miraculous revival experience here with Jesus that night, but he came to Jesus with questions and he came to Jesus with concerns and he began to have conversation with Jesus. But we see here in chapter seven, he's still very much in leadership with the Pharisees and he stands up for Jesus saying, do we need to continue to, to, to send this man to trial without proof that he has broken the law? The third time that Nicodemus appears in the, in the gospel of John, we can surmise that Nicodemus has at this time become a devoted follower of Christ. He is asking and, uh, if he can go and anoint the body of Jesus with myrrh and with aloes and spices to anoint his body for burial. The large urn that is standing in the picture near Jesus could refer to his entombment as John says that Nicodemus brought a large portion of spices to anoint Jesus' body. The painting is by Henry Tanner. Henry Tanner is the first famous African-American painter that we know of, the first one to receive international acclaim. Uh, he lived and was born in um, uh, the United States but spent most of his adult life in France. Uh, as he found uh, solace there and just found, uh, in a sense, a new home there. One of the things that I want to point out in this painting, uh, one of the things that's uh, significant in the Gospel of John, if we had to talk about just three or four passages or three or four themes in the Gospel of John, one of the things that would come out is this theme of light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And in this painting, you see light coming from different places. If you notice in the bottom right-hand corner, you see light coming up what looks like it's a stairwell up to the rooftop. And so you see light, man-made light or light from a candle coming up from, uh, yeah, obviously light from a candle, coming up the stairwell there. And you see that uh, uh, portrayed there in the painting. But you also see shadows of Jesus and Nicodemus that are clearly not coming from the light uh, down below. But you see, maybe, a, maybe it's a, a very bright moon. I've seen that recently in, in our yard as we were out walking the dog at night. But you also see, and I want to bring your attention to the chest of Jesus. And I think this is indicative of John, and I think this was very intentional on the part of Tanner, the, the painter, is that you see Jesus almost light coming from his essence, almost light coming from his chest. Now, you may argue, and I would agree, that it could be light coming up from, I don't know what, what the painter's original uh, message was there in the sense of light. It could be re reflected off the light coming up from the from down below, but I tend to think that there was a, a specific message that Tanner was trying to send that not only embodied that night when Nicodemus came to see Jesus, but it was a bigger picture of what was happening in John. Uh, in the prologue of, of, of John, uh, we find these words, what has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. It unites the prologue of John 
with Nicodemus' deep conversations and with Jesus' declaration where he later said in John 8, I am the light of the world and that whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And I think it's interesting to see that that life could be, that light could be radiating from Christ and from his chest. And I think that's very indicative or very uh, true of the gospel of John in this painting. I think it's, it's uh, quite remarkable. Let me walk through the passage. What else do we learn from this text about Nicodemus and about Jesus and about what is taking place? As I said earlier, Nicodemus came to Jesus most likely with questions. But if you'll notice, as, as, as Sherman read, it was Jesus who guided the conversation. Could this be said, could this also be true in your life and in mine? We come to Christ with our questions, but as we do that, we may still not find the direct answers that we would like to find, but yet Jesus begins to direct the conversation. I think we can all relate to this scene of coming to Jesus with our questions. John or other disciples may have been present here, we don't know. Obviously, it's recorded in our scriptures, and so it's either that or Jesus shared this uh, story along with um, John Ford and him and the woman at the well. We know it's just Jesus and the woman, and so it could be that one of his other disciples stayed behind when he stayed there, or it could be that this was so important that Jesus communicated it and wanted his disciples to know it, and then we have it now in our scriptures. It's interesting to note that Nicodemus addressed Jesus as rabbi, and also, Jesus addressed Nicodemus as teacher of Israel. In verse 3, the Greek word, again, translated born again, as we have grown up, many of you have, have heard that this morning. It, uh, in the New Revised Standard, it, it says um, born anew, as it said in what Sherman read. Or it could mean also born from above when you look to the original Greek. The new birth or the regeneration is the act by which God imparts spiritual life to one who trusts Christ. Sometimes this happens instantaneously, and sometimes I've heard testimony from friends of mine, or, or many of you maybe can relate to this as well, is that you don't know it's, it's specifically at what point you became born anew or born again. You just know that you have believed in Christ, you have trusted in him. You may have a time where you realize that uh, you needed to make a public profession of faith, and uh, that may be the, the time that you, look, that you look back to in relationship to what it means to be born again. He came to Jesus alone. And with a heart and a mind open to listen. He didn't come, or of course, we, well, we don't know this, but it doesn't appear that he came with preconceived notions and already drawn conclusions that he pointed out to Jesus. Well, this, doesn't this mean this? And, you know, we, we don't know that. But he did come to Jesus with questions. But again, it's Jesus that directed the conversation. He allowed Jesus to challenge his understanding. He didn't shrink from revealing his ignorance about the second birth. He was honest with himself and what he didn't know. We see this in verses 4 and in verse 9 when Nicodemus says, how can these things be? When Christ, when he asked Christ, can, I can't enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born again. And he says, how can these things be? In verse 7 and in verse 11, I think it's interesting to note that the Greek word um, you that is found here, and, and uh, let me read it. In verse 7, Jesus said, do not be amazed that I said to you. And then later down in verse 11, he says, truly, truly, I say to you. And when you look that up in the Greek, it's a plural form of the word you. In the South, what would we say? We'd say y'all, wouldn't we? We'd say all y'all. You know, I don't know if that's different from you all or not. Maybe that's an argument for another day. But um, do not be do not be amazed that I said to you that you must be born again. Jesus wasn't speaking just to Nicodemus. He was speaking to all the Pharisees, and he was speaking, I believe, as well to you and to me as we read this text. He's saying, um, do not be amazed that I said to all of you that you must be born again. Nicodemus also shows us that his faith was developing. Again, he comes at night with questions, hearing the hard things that Jesus was saying and not retreating or arguing with Jesus. We see him standing up again for Jesus in John 7 that we just read earlier. And then also again in John 19 when we believe and know that he is at that point a follower of Jesus. I appreciate Alan and um, him stealing part of my sermon today on the, on the reset. Um, I think we have a slide with a reset button, if I'm not uh, mistaken. But uh, it, it is true. On old video game consoles and also on computers or even on modems and, and routers and things like this, for some of you who at home have had to reset that, when you call that 1-800 number and they say, okay, find this tiny little button on the back in this one particular spot. And sometimes you have to take a very sharp pencil, a pen, or even sometimes a paper clip and, and stick it in this little spot that um, 
that will help you to reset and recharge whatever it is that you are uh, uh, messing with. But the reset button clears the memory and reboots the machine forcibly. And I'm grateful that Jesus, when he comes into our life, he resets things. He erases the old and we start fresh with him. Our consequences can still be there, but we begin anew spiritually. Another similar analogy to this idea of what it means to be reset, and this will lead into a, a, my testimony this morning. Um, but when I was uh, about nine, 10 years old, I was uh, a student at then what was called Faith Christian Day School. I went to a private Christian school up to, the, up to the sixth grade. And one of the things, just like many kids today, that we love to do at recess was play sports. We play basketball on an old dirt place with a rim that was put up. We would play uh, football, tackle football. The parents, I mean, the teachers and parents, I guess, let us play that then. And we'd come off from recess hurting. We'd come back to class hurting. Um, but one of the things that we could do that was just a common, it was respected. And when everybody called this, it was pretty much obeyed. But if, if somebody did something and they said, oh, no, he didn't tackle or he did this or he did that. And it was an argument. There were two words that had great power on the, at playground. And those two words were do-over. If somebody called do-over, then whatever just happened was erased and you start to play over again. If it was basketball or kickball or football or whatever it was. So somebody could call do-over and somebody could have just had a great play, but because somebody argued it, somebody questioned it, we, somebody would call do-over. And so you would go back as if the play didn't happen, go back to where you were and start over again. As I mentioned to you, um, the, the, the school where I grew up, Faith Christian Day School. And sometimes that happened in class too, I wish. And sometimes the, the teachers were graceful and those who teach at Garden Web probably don't have a lot of do-overs for the class. But I loved it when the teachers would say, the whole, you know, the whole class did terrible on this and I'm gonna, we're gonna do a do-over. And so was, uh, that would occasionally happen in the classroom and I loved it when that happened. But um, growing up at Faith Christian Day School, this was, this was my environment growing up. My hair couldn't touch my collar. I had to have a collared shirt on that shirt tail had to be tucked in, had to be a belt with pants, no jeans, had to be some type of other pants. So we're out playing on the playground now in this. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think what else to tell you. But it, it was a very, I think you can imagine by what I'm telling you, but it was a very strict environment. Um, uh, you know, by, I remember one instance, I won't go into all the details of saying something that was just a common little slang term on the playground and, and it, was, it was big trouble for Keith that day uh, after school. But uh, it was a very strict environment. But let me, let me back up and say this. Uh, my home was a, was a Christian home. Mom and dad, we were in church every time the, the church doors were open, um, was in all the things that, that a child would be involved in in church and um, was involved in the Christian school, not only involved in the school, but we were learning Bible verses and doing Bible drills. And we had two lines on the floor and they would call out the, the scripture verse. And I would often be at times later in the fifth and sixth grade, the first one to step up to find the verse and to read it aloud, to show everyone else that I had found the verse that was called for. And so I'm, I'm in a Christian environment at home. I'm in a Christian environment at school. I'm in church all the time. But around the age of nine and 10 years old, as I began to, uh, all these scripture verses and all these things that I'm hearing began to take root in my life, I realized that I had not made a public profession of my faith, that I had not had that time where, that I can look back to and say um, that this was the moment when I began a relationship with God. Now, you can argue with that and say that that relationship began in my preschool years and in my early childhood years, and I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but this was a moment when I was nine years old at my home church one Sunday night when I asked mom and dad, I said, I want to I do this tonight. And I remember walking up and, and telling the, the interim pastor at the time, Harold McKinnish, uh, that, um, that I wanted to uh, trust in Christ and believe in him and, and, and follow him in baptism. And, and I remember that very distinctly. That's the one moment that I can look back to and say that uh, all of the knowledge that I had uh, attained growing up and all the, the things that were surrounding me, this was a moment in time when Christ became anew and afresh in me. Now, again, did I know Christ before? And I, I think I did. But at the same time, this is where I began anew. And this is where I can look back and say from this moment on, I began to walk and live in a closer relationship with Christ than I did, um, than I did before. <clears throat> Recently, I was talking with... Um, some of our Boy Scout leaders. I'm, I know Daryl's here today and I was talking with him about this over the phone. I've also talked with Lee Glenn about, about this, but uh, there was a trail 
back here behind the woods. And I still don't know. And, and Daryl and Lee are going to take me one day. I'm looking forward to that. I'm holding you to that, Daryl. We're going to walk that trail. And I think, I think it was Lee Glenn's project. Am I right about that, Daryl? He redid, oh, he redid it. Okay, so it's been back there a while. But the question that I still have that fits into what we're talking about this morning with Nicodemus and with Jesus and what it means to be born again is the question that I still don't have answered is where the trail begins. Where the trail, and you can tell me later, Daryl, where the trail, or show me here soon where the trail, uh, where the trail begins. Nicodemus was thinking, I want to know God more. And, but I hear some things that this man, Jesus, says that, you know, that, that um, I hear some things that this man, Jesus, says about God, but I don't know where to begin. Where do I start? And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, start with me. The trail to God begins here. Jesus is also saying to you and to me this morning, start with me. Maybe you've lost your way this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're faced with some decisions and you kind of feel like you're just meandering through life and you, you feel like maybe you've gotten off track. I want you to hear the words that I think are echoed in this story and that echoed in the story that um, we talked about about the trail here that's behind the church. I don't know exactly where the trail is and find out where the trail begins. And Jesus is telling us the trail begins with him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you been born anew? Have you been born again? Can you look back to a time in your life when you can say, you know what, I know for certain at this point, at this time in my life, my relationship took a new step in my relationship with God because I trusted in Christ and I allowed him to do this redeeming work that I've heard about for years. I'm, I'm grateful that we've had children in the last year and youth that have responded to this call. I'm sure they've heard about Christ and understood about Christ and his saving work as they've grown up, but they have taken that next step. And they said, you know what? I want to start anew. The trail begins here now with Christ. I don't know if you this morning or uh, where you are in your relationship with Christ, but I just ask you, have you began that relationship, that relationship that will fill your life with hope and purpose and meaning and that relationship that will give you hope for all of eternity to spend with Christ. Jesus is calling out to you today and he's asking you to begin with him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this text. Lord, there's so much that we can draw from it. Lord, as we reminded of that verse later in John 3 that you uh, love the world, uh, for God so loved the world that, um, that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, in you, should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we're thankful for the journey that we see in Nicodemus's life as we see him starting out there in John 3 all the way to him being a fully devoted follower and wanting to anoint your body there in John 19. Father, we're all in process as well in our faith. We're all growing, we're all learning. And Father, as you had patience with Nicodemus, we ask for that patience with us as well. And if Father, we would pray just like Nicodemus knew that the journey to God began with you, that it began with Jesus. Help us and remind us today, Father, that that journey that we are on begins and ends with Jesus. Father, if we've gotten off track, if we've looked uh, to the left or to the right, we've, we've gotten distracted by the things that are within our world, by the demands that life uh, puts upon us, Father, we pray today that we would look fresh upon you as well. Father, we know from the song earlier that you are softly and tenderly calling. And Father, we pray today that you would call each of us into a closer walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be here today if you desire to pray at the altar or to talk with me about something, would love to do that. If you desire to, to talk about church membership, uh, we would also, I would also love to, to receive you and talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing together. Number 316, Jesus is tenderly calling 
me encourage you to do something before you leave today. It's a small crowd here, and you've spoken to some that are here today. But before you leave today, speak to two people that you haven't spoken to uh, yet. Let's close in prayer, and then I think the um, candy will lead us in a congregational response. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we realize that uh, you have given us your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that we would begin again, that Father, that we would begin to experience the renewal of what it means to live afresh and anew in our relationship with you. Father, remind us if we've gotten off track that the trail begins with you. Help us to reset our relationship with you today if that needs to take place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will ask you if some of you could help us move the pulpit after worship.